I I took um, Spanish. I wanted to at that point. I wanted to be a bilingual or two language major, and and learning Spanish was tough. So I I dropped it. Um, intro to psychology. I got a C. So I I wanted to be a psychology major. I dropped that. <laughs> I ended up by default um, being an East Asian studies major because I and the Chinese minor, because those were things I already knew. It wasn't new information. So all I had to do was just add on. That was Anne, talking about the challenge she faced at college choosing her major. Her challenge wasn't because she was a feckless student unable to pick something and stick to it, but because her undiagnosed learning disabilities made learning new subjects difficult. Textbooks were a constant battle for Anne going through school and college. After a college therapist pointed out the discrepancy between her SAT scores, she started investigating how she learned and processed information. As a result, Anne was diagnosed with dyslexia, working memory weakness, and auditory processing disorder. These learning disabilities haven't held Anne back. Today, she's a learning consultant with Ignite Consulting. In this episode of Silent Superheroes, Anne will explain how her learning disabilities led her to cheat on a school test. She'll share how dyslexia affects her physically. And finally, she'll share what businesses should be doing to make training more easy for people with learning disabilities. My name's James Pratt. I'm the host of Silent Superheroes, and I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome to the Silent Superheroes podcast, a series of frank conversations about mental health at work. Welcome to Silent Superheroes. I'm here with today's guest, Anne. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Anne, why didn't you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? So, my name's Anne, Anne Van Gessel, and uh, I grew up in Taiwan. Um, was born to a, a Dutch man and Taiwanese mom. I uh, grew up in Taiwan and uh, came here when I was 18 for college, and then been here ever since. Lately, I've been telling people I have a le- I have learning disabilities, so that's that's my new way of introducing myself, and it's not historically how I would introduce myself. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about those learning disabilities? For full disclosure, I, I recently just researched them uh, to get a better understanding. And, and the reason for that, and then I'll, I'll answer your question, um, is because I don't b- believe in labels. Like, it's great that I, I got assessed, but I think I had a real resistance to being labeled um, and, and dyslexia, which is one of my learning disabilities, or all these other ones that I have. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, so uh, based on my assessment, I have dyslexia, uh, verbal learning disability, which when I Google that, it, it keeps taking me to auditory processing disorder, um, and working memory weakness. Okay. So can you say a little bit more about what each of those are? Sure. And this is based on Google, Google search. Google <laughs> is my, my best friend. Sorry, Charles. You're, you're also my best friend as well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, based, based on my research, uh, dyslexia is a learning disorder that involves difficulty reading, uh, due to problems identifying speech sounds and, and, uh, learning how they relate to letters and words in, in terms of decoding. Uh, dyslexia affects areas of the brain that process language, and it can also impact spelling. 
And it's actually happening right now because as I'm reading this out loud, I'm not really processing what this paragraph means. I'm focused on the pronunciation. Right. Saying the words. Exactly. So I'm like, I don't know what I just read. <laughs> I, I know it's accurate because I wrote Cause it. Got, okay. Because <laughs> you copied it from Google. I exactly. Accurate, I trust right? Google. <laughs> and uh, so the, the verbal learning disability... Um, and then, um, you know, like I said, it, uh, it came up as a, as auditory processing disorder and it affects how sound travels through the ear, um, is processed or interpreted by the brain. Um, and, and so individuals with APD, that's the acronym, do not recognize sub- subtle differences between sounds and words, even when the sounds are loud and clear enough to be heard. Um, they can also find it difficult to tell where the sounds are coming from, uh, to make sense of the order of sounds, or to block out competing background noises. Okay. Yeah. So good thing we're in a relatively quiet area. Yeah. Presumably is, that oh, helpful. absolutely. I, I mean, I take all my phone calls in in like a private area, like a phone room, in my car, in, you know, in my home when when no one else is there. Um. And then the third one is working memory weakness. Uh, so um, the, my understanding, and, and I'll explain what working memory is first. Um, it's a dynamic short-term system of limited capacity used to hold information that is being processed. So as, as I'm reading each word until the end of the sentence and paragraph and then trying to understand the full context, it's so weak that... Like by the time I read to the end of a sentence, I'm like, what the heck did I read? <laughs> I got to reread the sentence all over again. Or if it's in verbal form, and, and this really applies to new and complex information, uh, because of the dyslexia, um, my vocabulary, uh, it's not like, I don't know a lot of SAT words. Like I know enough to get by. <laughs> and so do, like do it's an interesting really need, combination. <laughs> do we really need SAT words? Let's no. be honest. <laughs> Just for showing off. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation here where there's going to be a lot of dialogue flying back and forth. Mm-hmm. What are the things that I could do to help you in this situation? Oh, well, thanks for even asking that. I mean, that's a question that I don't even get asked. So, uh, yeah, definitely articulate and then don't use those fancy SAT words. <laughs> if I think of anything, I'll definitely let you know. It's amazing that such a simple question could have such an impact on somebody. I mean, why wouldn't you ask somebody that question? Right? I know like I do this podcast, so you know, it's, it's logical that I would, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's about how to accommodate, how to support people. So like, yeah, obviously I would ask it, but that's not a hard question to ask. Uh, I tend to mumble because I'm British, I think. <laughs> um, so you can call me if you don't understand me. Okay. And I'll make a special... I will make a special effort not to use um, SAT words as best I can. <laughs> you talked about three different conditions there. Mm-hmm. You said kind of you came to them later. What's been your experience of one or all of those conditions? So how I experience dyslexia, or I guess how it impacts me, it's I have difficulty learning new words and, and memorizing. Uh, reading for me is takes a long time, oftentimes and, and this really ties more with the working memory weakness. When I read a sentence, by the end of the sentence, I'm thinking to myself, or the paragraph, 
what the heck did I just read? And and this is really uh, talking about new and complex information. Uh, I can read about law of attraction all day, and it just makes sense to me. But or coaching. Um, but when it comes to complex information, like I'll just give examples like history and science are really tough classes for me. I got either D's or C's and, and, um, I think those are the only two classes. Oh, word problems were hard for me too. I, I mean, math was fine until geometry. So that's a really important point because your dyslexia and working memory weakness are not showing up uniformly in all situations. Sometimes they're, um, you know, in a history, a science class, they're really sort of showing up and making that class challenging. But it sounds like in some other areas, they don't show up mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. You know, I would have maybe expected that they would sort of blanket across in the same way across all mm. subjects. And uh, during the, the learning disability test, I actually tested really well for uh, visual organization and like recognizing symbols. So, and they also tested my IQ and my IQ is actually average. And my, well, there's two pieces. There's a verbal IQ and a performance IQ. And and I I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm just repeating what my test said. And my verbal IQ is average and that uh, involve or includes verbal comprehension and working memory, which are two of my culprits, I guess, so to speak. And then performance IQ, I'm actually above average. And that's perceptual organization and processing speed. So I, I process really fast. It's just the information going in, mm. it, it, it's delayed. Yeah. It's like it's going through kind of a filter, filter. or a sponge or something like that yeah. so, to get deep slowly. Yeah. How about um, the other um, condition? How does that show up? The auditory processing disorder, I sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate between two like-sounding words, and I have to base it on the context to figure out what the person's saying. Um, and the example is like wreath and reef can sound very similar, but they're totally two different words. I think I'm saying that correctly. Like wreath is that? Yeah, sounded good okay, to okay, me. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so I, I have a curiosity question. Uh, you uh, have a Taiwanese mother, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to bet you speak Chinese. Mm-hmm, I do. And so um, I have tried to learn Chinese more than once and failed this morning. <laughs> and what generally trips me up is the fact that you can have one word with four different sounds yeah, to it. So totally. how do you deal with that, given this auditory processing yeah. disorder? And And it's interesting you bring that up because – the assessment they're saying it could be you know the our learning disability or it could be that i grew up trilingual because i i also knew taiwanese i mean it's another dialect of chinese but it sounds totally different i grew up speaking it so there's a little bit of like inbuilt memorization it's not new memorization and and i'm so grateful for that because otherwise Mandarin is a hard language to learn. So let's go back in time. You grew up with a Taiwanese mother, a Dutch father, and at some point on that journey, these conditions must have started showing up, even though you didn't know what they were at the time. So kind of walk us through that history a little bit. The first memory I can think of is in middle school. 
and uh, we were learning SAT words. And, and those were really hard for me. Um, I, I was not doing well in them and I, I, I tried my best. I really did. And I was so frustrated, uh, to the point that I actually cheated on a test and I got caught. Um, and then I didn't cheat again. Uh, so that, that was an outcome. I felt like I needed to cheat to, to, to do well because there was no other, other way at, at the time. You felt so behind in some way? Mm-hmm. Even though I was spending my own time attempting to learn these words, like I had flashcards, I, my, um, I had people, you know, test the flashcards and, and just other people were getting it a lot faster. How did your parents react to you can call cheating? Um, I don't remember exactly how my parents reacted. I just remember people in general reacted in the sense that I'm not working hard enough. So let's take you on a little bit. So that was your first moment of not knowing why, but feeling like, hey, something's different here. Mm-hmm. How did it go from there? What happened next? In high school, I, uh, I remember I was taking chemistry. I think I took physics too. Uh, I like to keep out unnecessary or not useful information and then history as well. And I just remember I was getting either a C or a D and, and the text was overwhelming. I just, it, um, I would read and it wouldn't really make sense. And, and it made me tired. Um, I, I remember my dad took me to see the vice superintendent. They're, they're really good friends. So it wasn't like, Oh, you're in trouble. Just, uh, kind of getting some help. Um, and they would um, teach me to maybe s- skim or scan and um, try to come up with like a, like a main, main theme. And, and actually that was helpful. So uh, I, I actually do that as a compensation. I would, I would kind of skim through really quickly, just get the high level. And, but the unfortunate part is you, you're, you're left out with a lot of detail that could be important, but at least I got the gist. And that helps with the working memory weakness. It's so interesting that you can process all that quickly and pull out the bits that are the high level stuff. Again, that seems counterintuitive when the dyslexia makes it harder for you to process words. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, I mean, it comes with a catch because sometimes you you could come out with an inaccurate outcome, but I just do my best. It's it it seems to work better than just reading each word and then forgetting what I read. And um, I mean, I'll I'll still go back and reread. Presumably, things like this kept showing up in mm-hmm. your in your life. Like, what are some other key moments on that journey? And then next was college, and then the you know the books got. Well, actually, no, about the same. The same little, <laughs> little thicker, more of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, I just remember um, again. It was always the history and science classes I took 
intro to nutrition, and that was an actual science, science class um, because I'm really interested in wellness and nutrition. That class was so hard, and uh, history, again, was tough. A- anything relating to a lot of text, um, like social studies, or uh, and then also I... I took um Spanish I wanted to at that point I wanted to be a bilingual or two language major and and learning Spanish was tough so I I dropped it um intro psychology I got a C so I I wanted to be a psychology major I dropped that (laughs) I ended up by default um being an East Asian studies major because I and the Chinese minor, because those were things I already knew. It wasn't new information. So all I had to do was just add on. Um, and I just remember constantly being tired, uh, especially during winter break or summer break. I, I have memories of sleeping 12 hours. And my parents would ask, like, are you okay? And, and actually, now that I think about it, because reading and processing is exhausting. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, for me, so no wonder I'm, I'm tired I, or I was so tired. I wonder why, do you have any sense why that is in a dys- dyslexic brain that you become tired from, from reading? I'll notice that there's a part of my brain that's working so hard. Yeah. And, and, and it's actually the focus piece. Um, I, I, when it's, I don't want to call it boring text, but like to me, if it's hard and complex, it's 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 uh, for some reason I um I, I just I can't. It's hard to focus. I have to force myself to focus. And it's almost like your brain is saying, "Take a break." I think that, <laughs> that focus is like we don't want to be here. We need to be. Oh, it's absolutely right saying that, and I'm fighting that every second of the way. So through high school, uh, through middle school, high school, college, mm-hmm. there were evidently issues that were making it harder for you mm-hmm. to succeed oh yeah it got even harder yeah, yeah. so kind of, but you graduated college i did right and grad school and grad school <laughs> <laughs> as you said i guess you love to learn i do even though it's hard on its own that's i don't know if impressive is the right word or commendable try not to use sat words here <laughs> but like that's impressive to get through all those steps whilst there are a number of things that are working mm-hmm. against you. How do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I, I know a common th- feedback that I, I get is that I have perseverance and strength. So I, I know that to be true and um, that I have motivation. So I have that going for me. And um, the lady who did my assessment says I have a good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at some point in the future, you can tell an employer like, I have a certified good attitude. Yeah. Like, look, this this doctor told me. Um, yeah, she is a doctor. There you go. So the doctor <laughs> says you've got a good attitude. You've got a good attitude. Let's do a thought experiment and go back in time and like take away the perseverance that you mm. have. So you're somebody else, same set of conditions, less perseverance. How is your life different? I think I would have given up, but my parents are pretty convincing. So they want me to succeed. And so they would have continued, um, I, they would make sure I, I succeed. But then I could see um, a lot of resentment and 
Um, it, I don't think it would it would turn out well. I mean, I think it'd be just be grumpy, and then no one would want to interact with me. So what I'm taking away from this is that you know it is perfectly possible to navigate these conditions as many many people do but you probably need something else that helps you get there mm-hmm. like perseverance or a family that you know, really cares about you oh, and definitely. just kind of propels propels you on yeah family close friends i mean uh, cheerleaders so at what point in time did you um get the the label for the three conditions that you have so this happened in college. I um, so I'm a self help junkie. In in college, I sought out a, a therapist because I wanted to continue my self growth and understand myself. And we just we just started having um, random conversations. I mean, it started off being conversations about you know how how to get along with my roommates how my life's going freshman year of college and then then she we started talking about uh, maybe my difficulty in classes um and then she asked me what my SAT scores were <laughs> that damn SAT and my verbal was 520 and my math was 720 and she said that's quite a difference even though I I mean it's just 200 points but I mean uh, what do I know? Well, or twenty five percent of the scale, right? Because isn't uh, eight hundred the top? Yeah, eight hundred's the top. Yeah. So yeah, and so she said that's a huge discrepancy. Discrepancy, and um, you know, you might have a learning disability. You know, we can get you uh, an appointment and get tested. Uh, and and so I, I was curious, and I said, sure, let's you know, let's see what comes out of that. And so it was. Um, I forget if it was a half day or a whole day, but it was at least six hours of testing. Um, and that's that's how I came to those three levels or labels. <laughs> and what was the test like? What do you, you said six hours? What do you do during those six hours? Um, so I don't remember all of it. I what I do remember is there were there were a couple tests uh, where um, so there's a, a body of text. And then there were questions, and there were two different types. Uh, and this is just one one section. One is you can still refer to the text when you're answering the questions, and then the ne- the other one is you you don't. And when I could refer to the text, I did very well. <laughs> but when she took away the text, I couldn't answer the questions. So that really uh, points to the working memory or, working or weakness. Uh, weakness or, yeah. or actually the, the dyslexia is supposedly like you have difficulty memorizing. So it's actually a little bit of both. Um, she also would read me a t- uh, list of, of um, uh, words depending on different categories and then have me repeat back to her. And I did terrible on those. Um, but I also did really well on like perception or visual uh, perception organization. Um, yeah, so there, there are parts I, I, I did well on as well, which I don't remember which ones. <laughs> right. So how did it change how you approached your college work and then your work in the world? Hmm. I, I don't know if it changed anything, to be honest. And um, because I, I had... I like so let me let me say this. 
I got this really useful information and I never really used it because I keep it a secret. And I actually think um, it's not a good thing at all because people do experience some of these, um, the, the impact of these disabilities, and then they get frustrated. And so I think by communicating that I have them, it actually gives clarity and um, understanding. Because my initial resistance to speaking about them is, um, I'm af- I'm afraid that I'll be I'll be seen different. Um, and you know, as a kid, you just want to fit in, and I think as an adult too. Um, although now I'm like, okay, just I just want to be myself. <laughs> and that's what these stories are all about: at first telling the story, but also allowing you and other people who live, you know, with these conditions you live with feel more comfortable in being themselves and maybe just less alone. Maybe mm-hmm. part of it is because you never talk about it. Mm-hmm. You don't know there are other people out there who are actually having very similar experiences mm-hmm. to you. What has stopped you from talking about these conditions? Not wanting to be seen as as incapable or stupid. It's like, oh, you have, oh, can you do the work? And, and this is really... Uh, this is in regards to the working memory weakness. And um, I just want to share that the delay in being able to use the information can be frustrating and sometimes it can um, lead to anxiety. And and it could also look like I'm being in, um, not attentive because I look like I'm sort of spacing out. You know, just I, I, I feel like people will get, this is just my perception that um, people will get anxious. And, and I mean, I've seen those reactions and, and maybe I uh, anticipate those reactions in everyone, yeah. even though that's, that hasn't been the case. So you've chosen not to talk about um, dyslexia, um, auditory processing disorder, uh, working memory weakness in general. Despite not talking about them, are there things that you've done to adapt to those conditions mm-hmm. in your work and your at college so most challenging i would say it depends on the environment because um and, and this might go back to how i compensate so um w- when i'm reading really or newer complex text i get tired and um a, a lot of times people will go to caffeine and and i um caffeine and i it's it's sort of a love hate relationship, and it it gets my heart pounding really fast, and and um, so it doesn't really make me alert. It just makes me anxious. I mean, it gives me a little bit of alertness, um, but what I really need is just to be doing something different or getting up and exercising, and. Um, uh, I'm not saying all jobs are like that and are in the like, like nine to five. I, I would say there, I think there's still an unspoken expectation to, to sit there and, and, and get your work done. And for me, um, I need a lot of flexibility. And in the past it's been seen as slacking off. Like, why is she going to go work out or why is she, you know, going to go do that? And, and self-care is just so important to me. 
So self-care for you is the key to being able to work successfully with mm-hmm. dyslexia and these other two issues. Yeah. I mean, I feel my best too. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the other reason too. It's great. So looking at your LinkedIn profile, seems like you've done lots of different things. Mm-hmm. You were a consultant at Accenture. What other jobs have you done? Mm-hmm. So before that, this is where I've done various um, different types of jobs and explored a little bit as well. So before Accenture, I worked as an um, underwriter's assistant. And then I also taught Chinese class and I, I was a note taker. Um, for people with disabilities at Bellevue College. I think that's that's it, yeah. And then now I'm a learning consultant. Nice. Yeah. Where at? Oh, I currently work at Indigo Slate. You said that you work in a learning role right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, part of my role is to learn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Say more about, about that. The client that I'm working with, um, working... Uh, with their partners to to ensure that they're cloud cloud certified yeah and so i'm 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 currently learning about the different the different cloud solutions and and that's new a new area for me so you learn to help other people learn yeah (laughs) so i'll point out the obvious paradox of that which is you have a love of learning but learning can be challenging (laughs) for you Mm -hmm. so how did you end up doing that work how did you decide to put yourself in that position well this opportunity sort of just showed up and and i'm really grateful for that i think of myself as a filter because if i can consume the information i can spit it out uh more easily consumable (laughs) i see (laughs) so your difficulty you have sometimes with learning helps simplify things for other people and like just pull out the key exactly Take all the yeah. SAT words out. And yeah, totally. That. And wow. and I think that's really valuable because, I mean, you know, you have the learning disabilities. Then you have people that um, are, you know, English is a second language. And it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's apples to apples. Um, I, I, I can just see how it's, it can be a similar experience for, for, for people who don't speak English. And, or they're just learning English and, or, or for young, young people, you know, they're just starting to, to learn the language as well. And, and if, if I can consume it and understand it, I can make it accessible for everybody or not everybody, but as many more people. Yeah. Have you explained to this employer that you have these conditions? Yeah, so um my manager knows and um my my client knows as well. And therefore they understand the gifts that they have, right? Which is somebody who through the process of learning naturally has to simplify things. I don't know if they know that. <laughs> well, we should tell them. <laughs> because if I'm doing that job, I have to think about how to make it simpler. If you're doing that job, you are naturally having to simplify mm-hmm. stuff for your own benefit and then ultimately for other people's benefit, mm-hmm. which is cool, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it, it actually is aligned with my ultimate goal for just as, as being here um, 
on this planet is um, my goal is equity to to give everyone what they need to be successful because I, I I really do see that that it's possible. I love that that goal you delivered completely unbounded. <laughs> like I'm just going to make equity for everybody. <laughs> I guess that's all I'm going to do. That's awesome. Everyone needs something different. And we don't all work the same. So if I were an employer putting together a learning program for something, like we're teaching new managers how to be managers, Mm -hmm. how should I design that course to best accommodate somebody who has um, dyslexia, uh, working memory, weakness, and uh, auditory processing disorder? I I would say um, make the the training experiential as much as possible and then yeah i would say a lot of a lot of just learning by doing and maybe maybe don't cram the training all in like a like a one hour and and speed through it give it time although i mean i know time is the most valuable but is it is it the right trade-off to speed through something and as a result somebody doesn't get anything from it doesn't learn or develop versus slowing down and making sure that everybody understands mm-hmm. what it is that needs to be understood. I, I totally agree with you. And and I think a lot of people don't see that. They think if we, if we go through this quicker, the quicker they're going to get it. If you could go back in time and tell the counselor mm-hmm. who said, hey, I think you might have a learning disability something. And a good attitude. And a good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I see what really stuck out of that. <laughs> Uh, what would you tell her? Anything? Just what would I tell yeah, her? Yeah, you can say anything. I mean, honestly, I'd like to see her now because I, I want more clarity because I honestly think I'm really um, taking a good look now because I've, I've kind of buried this and not thought about, like I said, I think I said this earlier, not how can I look, how can I learn better and like especially in corporations but i keep thinking about all the roadblocks i keep hitting okay so what would you ask can i contact you in 10 years (laughs) (laughs) that is an excellent question let's do the same exercise with you you can go back to a point in time of your choice you know in your life timeline and you can give yourself a, a message where are you going to go and what are you going to say? I mean, I understand the background of that message, but and at the same time, I'm thinking like everything unfolded unfolded the way it needed to be. Because, I mean, I can go back in time and tell myself, hey, you got this and mm-hmm. like, don't worry. Um, but I don't know if it would really have done anything. It's cool. So you don't need to go back in time. You're happy exactly as you are. Yeah, I think so. That's great. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, I'm actually I'm really grateful for you to invite me here because um, for multiple reasons, but the one I'm going to share specifically is this got me to dig out <laughs> my assessment and um, look into my scores of of my IQ, and I'm actually smart, <laughs> and I, I share that because. Um, I didn't think I was smart for the longest time. Um, I thought, 
there's only one kind of smart, like you, you, if you were able to memorize really quickly, or if you were able to, um, yeah, if someone said something to you, you would able to respond really quickly right after that meant you were smart. Cause those were the places I had difficulty and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I am not that smart. I, I know I always thought I was like EQ smart and, like I just had empathy, but it, but then I looked at my scores and I'm like, well, actually, I mean, not that this means anything, but it it helps. <laughs> anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Oh. Covered it all. I think so. Um, well, and thank you for making time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And that was Anne's story. There's nothing particularly unusual about the learning disabilities she manages. The University of Michigan estimates between 5 and 10% of people are dyslexic. 2 to 3% of children have auditory processing disorder, according to the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. Estimates of working memory weakness seem a bit more opaque, but there are a lot of articles in different parts of the world telling teachers how to spot it, so it must be fairly common. With so many people managing these conditions, you'd think that there is a path or a method for managing them. And you'd be wrong. Like so many of the mental conditions we talk about in Silent Superheroes, managing dyslexia, APD, and WMW is a never-ending quest of trying new pathways, seeing where they take you, and backtracking when they don't work. Let's look at Anne's journey. She has a good attitude, as diagnosed by a doctor. The good attitude path takes us in the right direction, plus 10 points. Now let's take the cheating at a test path. Dang, got caught. Minus 20 points. Won't do that again. Got good parental support rather than being shouted at for being stupid? Well done. Plus 15 points. Congratulations, Anne. You're net positive five points. You get to go live a comfortable life. I don't say that to denigrate Anne. It wasn't until I was writing this that it occurred to me, everyone finds their own path. For some people, some of the path is pre-laid with tiles, like Anne's good attitude and a functional family. For other people, there's a pit of bad circumstances they have to fill in before they can even start laying the path to manage dyslexia. This is the equity Anne considers to be her life's work. Her dyslexia hasn't held her back too much because of some of the lucky circumstances she didn't control. But that's not true for everyone. In an equitable world, like the one Anne envisages, everyone gets the support they need to start from the same place as everyone else. In Anne's equitable world, the person faced with that pit they have to fill in before they can tackle dyslexia get some help to get to the same place that Anne started. When you think of it that way, it's easy to see why equitability is Anne's life goal. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member. You can also leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you want to hear about new episodes as they come out, you can follow us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash silent superheroes, or you can sign up for our newsletter at silentsuperheroes.com. Take your mental health seriously. If you need to speak to someone, you can call 1-800-273-8255 or text crisistextline.org at 741-741. Both provide 24-7 confidential counseling to people in the United States. Worldwide, visit 
iasp.info slash resources slash crisis underscore centers slash. To help others find the Silent Superheroes podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service.